0: Judges chapter six, what we're gonna look at today. Judges chapter six, if you have a Bible. If not, you can follow along on the screens. I wanna read verse one through six to start out. This passage is about a guy named Gideon, and um, I think he's gonna help us today. talking about having ridiculous faith. If you missed last week, I think you ought to go listen to it. I'm talking about having ridiculous faith. We don't want to live reasonable lives because ridiculous is reasonable to God. It may not be reasonable to everybody else, but I hope you're not living for the approval of everyone else. It says, Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Have you ever felt like that? I did it again. Did it again. Y'all, so holy in this service. I feel that way sometimes. I did it again. I. I messed up again. I didn't do what God wanted me to do again. It said, and for seven years, he being God gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves. One translation said they made hiding places for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. And whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and the other Eastern peoples invaded the country, And they camped on the land and they ruined the crops all the way to Gaza. They did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkey. So the idea is every time that Israel went to plant crops with, obviously an agricultural society, you needed those. Every time they went to plant, all these peoples would come in and they would ravage the land and they would plant and they would ravage the land and they would plant. It was like, you can see why Israel would get to a place of why try Verse five says, they came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. The the writer is trying to give us a mental picture of the magnitude of of what is against them. It was impossible to count the men and their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. And verse six says, Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. They cried out to the Lord for help. I wanna bring a message to you today. If you're a note taker, write this down. If not... Write it down by this title, Don't Box Me In. Don't box me in. Let's pray together. Father, would you open our hearts and minds to receive what you want to say to us? I pray that you would speak to us directly. May we never be the same. In Jesus' name, everybody said a big amen. Amen. Um, So about six years ago, Tammy and I, um, finally, we we moved into the final house. Y'all following me? Y'all know what I'm talking about? The final house. Like this is the house we're not moving from. We're not selling. Although in this market we've thought about it. Um, but we, we, we had, we had. This was the third house. Um, that in this, and so we had, we had always bought foreclosures in the past, and. Um, I I can kind of see it, you know, and I'm just like, babe, just trust me, like a little sweat equity, a little paint, a little carpet, remove this wall, take down this thing, like we're going to make it happen, Tammy's like, this last one, she was like, we ain't doing that again, are y'all with me? But the first one, so we would live in it a few years and sell it, fix it up, make something, take all that, dump it into the next one, fix it up, sell it, and then finally we were like, all right, down payment, we're going to, so we build a house, and so we're trying to outfit the house with, um, you know, furniture and fixings and all that, and um, and and so we 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 had a, we have a basement, and in the basement it was the, the agreement was that will be the kids' area. It's out of sight, out of mind. Like I don't want no toys up on the main level. Which <laughs> they don't, now they're there because we're repeating life again. We were at Kings Dominion the other day. I was we were it's called so known as Purgatory, and so I was there, and we got on the swings in Snoopy Land, and I was like, how am I still on this swing a decade later? <laughs> It is a decade later and I am back on this swing again. What is my life right now? It's my problem. And so, um, but we went to Outfit it. so we, I was in Costco one day and I was like, babe, they've got some couches in Costco. It's fine Italian pleather and I think, <laughs> I think it'll work good in the basement. And, and so we got it and we brought it in and, um, and it came in these boxes. And as soon as we took the couches out of the boxes, it was like this little sectional. For the basement, we were like the kids can spill stuff on it, they can eat on it, they can jump on it. I don't care. Um, it, it'll, it'll, it's okay for it to take a beating. As soon as I got it out, the kids started playing in the box. How many of you have been there on Christmas morning, niece, nephew, kid, whatever? Like you get them a nice gift and all of a sudden they don't even notice the gift. They're off playing in the box. So my kids would play in this box. The older two were younger then. They would play in the box. They brought pillows in the box. They would try to take a nap in the box. They brought toys in the box. Like everything was in the box. They brought friends in the box, y'all. Matter of fact, I got a picture. Show this. They brought their friends in the box. Look at those babies. He's taller than me now. This is the box though. Like I tried to throw the box away and there would be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Y'all can take that down. Like then I'd bring it back to the basement and they were back in the box and they just loved the box. When in this basement there was a TV and long time ago, a Wii gaming system, come on. All y'all adults remember the Wii gaming because you're like, I'm gonna get healthy. This thing's got like, that wasn't working out y'all. Y'all were playing a game. They had a ping pong table somebody had given us. I mean, they had all kinds of toys, like baskets of toys in there, and they would rather be in the box. And I started thinking about this as it relates to our faith journey, that there are times in our life whenever the blessing of God is so great and the purpose of God is so great in our life, but some of us live our life hiding in a proverbial box. There were times I would come down the steps and they would close the lid and I could hear them giggling in there and they were hid—they they didn't think they, that I knew that they were hiding in the box but they were hiding in the box and some of us are just like Israel. The Bible says that the Midians were so great that they made for themselves hiding places. Notice it didn't say that the Midians Gathered them all up and tied them up and and threw them into hiding places. The Bible says that the pressure of Midian was so great that they made hiding places for themselves. Sometimes the devil doesn't have to bind you up. You will make a binding place for yourself. And this is what's so crazy, is that Israel had so much purpose on their life. I mean, think about it. If you don't know the story, let me... Rewind a little bit. God meets with a guy named Abraham, and he says to him, Abraham, I'm gonna make you a great nation. There'll be so many people from your offspring that that you won't even be able to count. It'll be like the stars in the sky. It'll be like the sand in the sea. You won't even be able to count all the people. I'm gonna make an incredible nation, and through you, I'm gonna bless all the peoples of the earth. Now, prophetically, what God was talking about is through the nation of Israel, through the line of Israel, would come Jesus, Jesus would die on a cross, he would rise back to life three days later, proving that he was who he said he was, the son of God with the power to take away the sins of the world, and he would offer salvation to all of humanity. No longer would you have to sacrifice animals on an altar to appease God. But now, once and for all, Christ died for all. And now we can come boldly before the throne of grace to find help in our hour of need. This is the promise God gave to Abraham. So talk about gigantic purpose. Israel has it. But the pressure of the enemy has them making hiding places for themselves. And I think we're the same way. The pressure of life, can life not be... One translation said this that I read. It said, Midian was so cruel. Can I remind you that the enemy of your soul is not anything to flirt with? That he wants nothing good for you. That his ways seem enticing for a moment, but they end in cruelty. They end in damaging you. They end in hurting you. They can seem fun. Well, I'll just flirt with the edge for a moment. No, 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 no. I'm just telling you, the enemy wants nothing good for you. But I will let you know this as a warning, so to speak, is that the Bible says that Israel did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And so finally God was like, all right, whatever. If you want to go that route, go that route. It's scary a little bit because sometimes God will give you what you pray for. There's a difference between stubbornness and steadfastness. Stubbornness is I'm going to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it, and nobody can keep me from doing that. I'm going to go into that relationship and everybody is telling me no, but I'm going to do it anyways. I'm going to take that job, but all the counsel around me is saying don't take that job, but I'm going to do what I want to do. But That's stubbornness. Steadfastness is I've got a word from God and I'm not going to move off of what God wants for my life. Are you following me? God wants you steadfast, but he does not want you Too stubborn. Are y'all with me today? Are are we getting heavy too quick? Need me tell a joke? Back up, kids in the box. And so this is where Israel's at. And here's the deal: whether it's choices of our own, the origination point isn't really the point. Whether it's choices of our own or that life is just challenging, and life can be hard, and sometimes it was no choice of your own. It was other people's choices. Whatever the origination point is almost not the point. The point is that what do we do when that happens? And many of us make hiding places for ourselves. We find the place of caves in our own life. We just stay in them. It's kind of nice in here. I don't have to look at anybody in here. Little intimidating looking at everybody. But but we make our own hiding places, do we not? Um, I'll never be rejected again. So I'm gonna make a hiding place for myself. I'll never I'll never I'll never be disappointed again. So we make hiding places for ourselves, do we not? That They're never going to treat me that way again. And so we make our own caves. We make our own hiding places. We find our own little places. We find our own strongholds like Israel. We're not going to let Midian do that to us again. And so we're going to find our own hiding places. I'm not going to, I'm not going to ever let someone speak to me that way again. And so I'm going to make my own hiding place. I'm never going to feel that shame again. So I'm going to make my own hiding places and we hide when God has all this limitless blessing for us but we choose to live in these limited confined areas and we we hide are y'all with me and I get it it's much easier to hide it's much easier to hide. Because when I hide, I don't have to be accountable. When I hide, I don't have to, I don't have to own my mistakes. When I hide, I don't have to own my choices. I can just hide in here. When I hide, I don't have to, I don't have to face anybody. I can just hide. I can just run away. I can just I can just get I don't have to I don't have to deal with it when I hide. I don't I don't have to get better when I hide. I can just stay the way I've been. And and here's a couple of hiding places I think. If you're with me, say amen. A couple of places I think we hide. I think we hide in in our comfort zone, do we not? It's just comfortable in here. (laughs) Give me a blanket. Hang out in my hiding place. Comfortable. I don't have to talk to anybody in here. I don't have to look at anybody. If I don't want to see you, that's all I got to do. It's comfortable in here. In my, in my comfort zone, I don't have to try anything new. In my comfort zone, I don't have to follow the, the little nudge of the Holy Spirit. Because it's comfortable in here. I don't, I, I'm just, I, I'm, not, I'm not comfortable. I'm not comfortable getting up and praying with people at 6 a.m. I don't, I don't want to get out of my comfort zone. I'm not comfortable serving. I'm not. I'm not comfortable. I'm not comfortable being generous. I'm not comfortable like getting in relationship and community and like opening up about the things that I, I'm not. I'm not comfortable. So I just want to stay right here. When God has calling for you, and God has purpose for you, like there's this this whole amazing adventure, this whole journey. Jesus said, "I've come that you might have life, and that you might have it to the full, not to the box." Like, I've come that you might have life to the full, that, that it might be abundant life, that I've come to do like this exceedingly, abundantly, and above, all that you could ask or imagine kind of thing, and I just want to say to you, it's not found in comfort. I'm just trying to help you see God has calling for you, and, and God has purpose for you, and, and God, he's... You are God's workman, I don't know if you don't believe me, so I'm just gonna give you the verse. You are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he appointed beforehand, before you were ever born, he looked at you and he said, I've got something for you to accomplish in the earth and I'm just trying to help you see, it ain't in the box. I know that's not good English, I have my doctorate, but it's good preaching. It ain't in the box, are you following me? Here's what I found, is you can't have calling and comfort. That calling will confront your comfort every day of the week. If you want comfort, then live in the box. If you want comfort, then just stay where things are easy. But I like it. It's, you know, it's comfortable. I like my comfort scary to pray out loud. It's scary to be generous. It makes me nervous, but you'll never fulfill the call of God on your life in here. You'll never fulfill the purpose of God on your life living in here. You know, I think another, another way that we box ourselves in is by coping. It's comfort and coping, right? Coping is simply this. Coping is the way that you've adapted to the pressure and the pain of life, the pressure around you, the pain within you. And some, all of us, we, we cope in different ways. Cope is simply this. It's adapting. And so we allow the pain to mold us and adapt us into something different instead of allowing God to use it to mold something greater in us. And so, pressure from the outside, pain from the inside. And I'm not discounting the pain. I'm not discounting whatever it is that you walked through and went through. And I'm not discounting the depth of the hurt and the rejection, all those. I'm just trying to say that retreating to the box is not the answer. That that retreating into this place, we cope in different ways. Some way we cope is by disengaging. I'm just going to disengage. Like, like, I'm sitting by my kid, but I'm not parenting. I'm just disengaged. Like, I'm physically present, but I'm not there. I still sleep by him or her every night, but I'm not a spouse right now. I'm just just disengaged. We shut down. I ain't gonna talk about it. We just shut. I don't, I don't wanna talk about it, I ain't gonna talk about it. It's like my little Jonas, whenever he's doing something wrong, or you're trying to tell him to do something, he'll be like, don't talk to me. That's what I'll tell you. And he'll go, and don't look at me. Don't look or talk to me. And that's the way some of us, that's like, we get in our box and we're just like, don't look at me and don't talk to me. I don't want to see you. We just, that's how we cope. We're not better. It's not moving us toward the purpose of God in our life. We're Midian. Just run to the cave. We're Israel. Just run to the cave. Midian's coming. Run to the cave. Some of us, the way we cope is just by like hanging on to bitterness. And then that's how we, that's how we, We paint everybody then in that light. Bitterness just doesn't affect like it's not just something you have that doesn't affect everybody else, it affects everything around you. Every you you see everybody through bitterness, you see every situation through bitterness, you see every person through bitterness, you be it begins to skew everything. The Bible says it like eats up in your bones. Some of us cope with anger. So the way we adapted was to get defensive. And so we just lash, lash back out at people. Like that's how we're dealing with the pressure from the out and the pain from within that we all experience. Midian's coming and we're hiding. And here's what's crazy about this, that we don't even realize is that when we're hiding, we take this with us everywhere we go. So we thought it was the other person in the last relationship, but now we seem to be sitting, hitting the same wall in the new relationship because you just took your box from one relationship to another. And we thought it was the friendship in ninth grade, but now we're in eleventh grade, and it's the same thing is happening again. Oh, it's a different face and it's a different circumstance, but it's kind of the same core issues. Is because we just took our box into the next situation, and we thought it was the bo- it was the boss's fault. Like if they, they I would have got the promotion if they had. Maybe you didn't get the promotion because you walked in every day with your box and you couldn't see it, but everybody around you could see it, and nobody wanted to get near because you brought your box everywhere. You went well, Pastor, your- You're being mean. No, no, no. I'm trying to help you see there is an abundant life that God has for you. And living confined in this is not it. Living, coping, living in your comfort zone is not it. God has exceedingly more for you, but he's calling you to step out of the box. You've got to step out of your box step out of the bitterness step out of the comfort step out of the anger step out of I mean at some point with all the kindness in my heart as your pastor at some point you have to go I'm the common denominator I know that's hard and it's painful but if it's issue after issue, drama after drama, if it feels like you are on a merry-go-round and you are revisiting similar scenes over and over, at some point you got to go. They played a part, but I'm the common denominator. I'm not negating their responsibility but only you can control you. And you'll never step into this, this faith-filled, purposeful, destiny-filled adventure of, of knowing God in this like ridiculous kind of way. if you're so committed to this. Just keep dragging it around, just everywhere you go. And I would just add, this has gotta be exhausting. The Bible says that Israel finally cried out to God. I bet they'd wish they'd done that about six years and 12 months ago. Are y'all with me? Maybe we should've went there first. Have you ever said that? Like I've I've said it, all I know to do now is pray. Says they cried out to God and God sent a prophet to them and and the prophet basically tells us in verse seven to 10, he basically says, hey, why you want me now? Like, you didn't wanna do anything I instructed you before. but God is good in his mercy, isn't he? Isn't he great that no matter how much we're turning it back, living and don't want anything to do, that God's just like, now just call out to me. You call out to me, I'm there. Like, what do you need, what, what? What do you need? He shows up, and, he, and it says this in verse seven that he sent an angel of the Lord. In verse 11, I'm sorry, verse 11 it says this, the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak tree in Orphrah that belonged to Joash, the. The zeit there. <laughs> it says, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. So here's this image Israel's hiding in caves. Gideon is hiding in a wine press. And when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. That's interesting. But sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? He's talking about the whole like parting the Red Sea and all those miracles. But now the Lord has abandoned us and he's put us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. I am sending you. I'm sending you. But Lord Gideon asked, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and, and I'm the least in my family. He's like, I'm like, I'm, I'm in the runt tribe and I'm the runts of the runts. And the Lord answered, he said, I will be with you. I'll be with you. And you will strike down all the Midianites together. So they cry out to God and what happened? God sends an angel to a guy named Midian, Gideon. It, this is interesting to me, um, like, Gideon's the best you got, G, you know? Like, he's like the first round draft pick. For real? This guy, like, he's hiding in a K in a wine press. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, this is all you got, God? Like, we're going with Gideon. Isn't there somebody else that's like fired up and like those Midianites, man? If I could get my hands on them, like I would take them out. No, we're going with Gideon. Hanging out in the wine press. That's so encouraging to me. I don't know about to you. so encouraging to me that God isn't looking for pedigree, that God isn't looking for certificates and degrees, and God, God can use anybody that God wants to use. Are you following me? You got Gideon down here in the wine press, and he comes up to him, and he says, God, he says, mighty warrior, the Lord is with you. Mighty warrior. That's kind of an ironic statement, don't you think? Hiding in a wine press. I don't know mighty warriors that are hiding in the wine press. I love this. I love that God will speak to your potential, not to your current situation. I love how our God will look at you, and, and you may look at yourself and go, less than, not enough, don't have it together, failure, insecure. And God looks and goes, no, mighty warrior, child of God, destiny, purpose. Favor, blessing, come on, somebody needs to hear that today. You're looking in the mirror, calling yourself a whole lot of things, but our God is looking at you going, no, mighty warrior, purpose, come on, put your hands together if you believe that God speaks to your destiny and your potential. If I could insert a message within the message, it would be this, we would be good to be people that do that. The world around us doesn't need a church that lets everybody know where they are. They know where they are. I used to say it like this. Maybe I should say it some more. They get hell all week. They should get a little bit of heaven when they encounter us. They know they're hurting. They know they're broken. They should get. So he says, My. but one commentator said there's another possibility and it's this, is that Gideon at some point was in the army of Israel and actually was a warrior. That even though he saw himself at weak, that at some point he was actually a fighting man. You know what that tells me is that you can have walked in victory, but find yourself back in a box. And just because you had victories in the past doesn't mean that you're living in victory today. That just because you saw God move in the past doesn't mean that you're seeing God move today. Isn't that exactly what Gideon said? He said, listen, if God is with us, if God, because he said, mighty warrior, the Lord is with you. If God is with us, then he said, where are the signs that we heard our ancestors talk about? Like we heard them talk about bringing us out of Egypt. Why ain't God doing that thing right now? Why ain't he doing it like he did back then? Let me tell you something. I want you to hear this. Get this, that God is consistent in character, but he is creative in action. You will be frustrated forever in your Christian walk if you are wanting God to do today what he did back then or do for you today what he did for somebody else. Are y'all, are y'all following me? You will be forever frustrated if you keep comparing your path to somebody else's path, your story to somebody else's story. He may have parted the Red Sea for Israel, but he may want to dry up the sea for you. God is the same in character, but he is creative in action. Are you following me? This is what kills churches. I wish God do it like He did back then. You know, before we had buildings, the first, the last school we were in before Riverbend, before here, was our Fred Campus building, was Riverbend. What if we just walked around? I wish God did it like it. I wish it felt like it did at Riverbend. Back when we were in Massaponics High School, I wish. I wish it was back like when we were in Glen Allen High School. I don't. I don't at all. I'm grateful, I'm thankful, I'm amazed. I look back with gratitude, but my Bible says that my God is doing a new thing, that there is a fresh wind. Come on somebody, I don't want what he did. I don't want yesterday's miracle. I don't want to draw out of yesterday's well. I want to draw out of a fresh well. I want a new thing. I want an exceeding, if my eyes have seen it, I want exceedingly, abundantly, and above. Why would you want yesterday's miracle? Why would you want to live off of yesterday's manna? Why would you want to eat off of yesterday's meal? When God says, no, I've got fresh bread for you today. I've got a fresh thing for you today. My mercies are new every morning. I'm not living off yesterday's mercies. I'm not living off yesterday's grace. I'm living off new grace today, new mercies today, new power today, new miracles today. He says, why'd they do it like? No, no, no. I don't want yesterdays. I want what God's doing today. You know what it also tells me is that your doubts don't disqualify you. The number one draft pick wasn't sure. The guy God chose wasn't sure. Are y'all getting that? I think sometimes we read these Bible characters and we're like, oh, if I could have faith like them, if I could have faith like David, if I could have faith like Gideon, if I could have faith like Joshua, sun stands still and it stood still over the valley of Agilon. Like, man, God is, I want to have that kind of faith. Gideon was like, if God's with us, why ain't it working? You ever felt that way? The deeper question is, have you ever felt like that thought disqualified you from seeing God move in your life? And I've just come to tell you today, your doubts don't disqualify you. Your doubts don't disqualify you. But I'll tell you a secret. You've got to learn to disqualify your doubts. Here's what I mean by that. You've got to learn to look at your doubts and go, they're there. They're real, but God. (laughs) I'm thinking that. I'm scared, but God. I got one foot out, and I wanna keep the other one in, but God. I kinda actually wanna put the other one back in. (laughs) But God, are y'all following me? You've gotta learn to disqualify. Your doubts don't disqualify you. Hello, Peter. Your doubts don't disqualify you. Come on, somebody, I'm gonna use you to build the church and I'm gonna use you to preach on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 people will come. But I, but a few hours earlier, you were denying me. And, and remember that whole boat incident, Peter? Like, remember that thing? What if Peter had thought the boat and the sinking? and Because your doubts don't disqualify you. God can use you. He said, he said, if God's with us, then we're in all the miracles. And, and here's what I love. The angel of the Lord doesn't even address his statement. Do you notice that in the text? Like doesn't even acknowledge he said it. Doesn't even go, well, you know, the Bible says, and if you read the text, you'll find out that you don't have to like, you know, God, is... no, it doesn't even address it. He's like, he's like, yeah, I know that's there, but go in the strength that you have. Because I'm sending you. Like, like he, does, he doesn't even address the doubt. He just says, "Go." In other words, here really to do is you'll never get it out of the box if you don't start walking while you're doubting. If you don't start walking while you're unsure. If you're like, "I'm not so sure about this," I kind of want to drag it with me but I'm, at least I'm out of it, but I'm just gonna keep walking while I'm down. I don't know if this is gonna end good for me, but I'm just gonna walk while I'm doubting. I'm gonna keep stepping while I'm down. I got about like I got about like 5% of battery life on my faith right now. Like, But God said, go in the strength that you have. If you're well at waiting till you got all this strength and you got all this faith, and if you're waiting till the day where you're 100% sure, you'll never stop out of the box. You've gotta go in the strength that you have. But pastor, I don't have a whole a lot of strength, but go in the strength that you have. But I don't feel like I got a lot in me. Just go with what you have. And then he said this to him. He said, but I'm the weakest of the weakest. The angel of the Lord said to him, I'll go with you. My presence will go with you. Here's how you get out of the box. You are ready? Two things, purpose and presence. He said, Go, because I'm sending you. Gideon now has purpose. And he says, I'll go with you. He has God's presence. Those two things you can get out of any box that you're in. We don't don't talk about growth track because we're trying to hit some number, we're trying to give you purpose because it'll get you out of your box. And we're trying to connect you to his presence it'll get you out of your box. My little Abigail's four. Anytime we walk into a new new environment, new situation, until she gets comfortable, she's usually right by my leg. But if I walk, she'll walk. If I move, she'll move. Because the presence of her dad gives her confidence. Confidence. And I'm just telling you, you need the presence of God in your life. Not to get some kind of goosebunk feel. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the kind of presence in your life where you live in connection with him, where where it may be an unknown situation. It may be a new environment. You may not be too sure about it, but you get right up beside his leg and go, if my daddy's with me, I got confidence. If my father is walking with me, I've got some confidence. And when you do that, you'll get out of the box and you'll no longer allow insecurity to box you in. And here's what I want. I want you to get kind of a, how do I say it? I want you to get like, a holy attitude. Like I'm for positive attitudes and and you know your attitude determines your altitude and, and your thermostat I'm like oh, I'm all about that. I tell my kids that there's values around here. But I want you to get like a holy like attitude inside of you that kind of gives you a little stiffened spine in the spirit that goes, devil, you're not boxing me in anymore. Like insecurity, come on. I want somebody to walk out of here going, I'm not letting insecurity box me in anymore. I'm not letting bitterness box me in anymore. I'm not letting the pain of other circumstances and situations box me in anymore. I'm gonna step out in freedom. I'm gonna step out into the- of God. I'm going to step out into the purpose of God in my life with the presence of God. Don't box me in. Somebody shout, don't box me in. Because you've got purpose and you've got presence. He said, and lo, I'll be with you even till the end of the age. You've got purpose You can keep hiding if you want. I mean, you've got a will. You can make choices. You can keep hiding. I mean, you really can. Like, you could do this the rest of your life, and and you'll adapt, and you'll figure out a way to make this work for you. And I don't think God will come and, like, burn your box down and snatch you out of it. but it's not what he intended for you. It's not the life that he, this isn't abundance. This isn't exceedingly abundantly and above everything. This isn't, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and you might have it to the full. Don't box me in. Don't let life box you in. Don't don't let Midian make you run into the caves. If you'll let it, what puts you in a cave, if you'll step out, will fortify your character in such a way and will strengthen your faith in such a way that the next devil that comes to try and fight you Will get in the box themselves. Come on, somebody, if you receive the word, put your hands together. Will you pray with me at every campus, everyone joining us online, and unless you're driving in your car, keep your eyes open? For some of you today, the box that is limited you is the box of sin. It's not a condemning statement. The Bible says that we've all sinned and we've all come up short. We've all missed the standard of God. And the thing about the box of sin is it has no door to get out. And we try our best to fix it. We give our best effort and our human effort and just over and over again, we come up short. And this is why Jesus came. He didn't, he didn't just die on a cross to have some kind of piece of artwork. He, he died because it was the only way for sins to be forgiven. And what his death did is made it possible for a door to be cut in your box of sin and you to step out of it. And today I wanna to invite you into that. The Bible simply says this, that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, in other words, he's in control, in other words, God, I'm done doing it my way. I wanna do it your way. And we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, believe that the resurrection happened. It says we will be saved. Not maybe, not hope so. No, you will be saved. Your sins will be forgiven. And if that's your desire today, in just a moment, we're gonna to pray together at every, lo- camp, every location and those online. And I just wanna know who I'm praying with. With no one looking around, I wouldn't embarrass you for the world. And I just ask that you would respect other people in the room. Just... No one looking around, but on three, if that's you, if you say, Pastor, that's me, I'm stuck in a box of sin and I need a new beginning today, I need a fresh start. If that's you on three, you just shoot your hand up at every location. You can put a hand raise in the chat online. If that's you on three, you just stick it up. One, two, three, you just shoot it up. God bless you. God bless you, you can put it down. Thank you so much, all over the room. Church, let's pray this out loud for the benefit of those who just lifted their hand. Just say, Jesus, I need you. I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. I believe you died for me. I believe God raised you from the dead. Today I make you my Lord and Savior. Thank you for a brand new beginning. In Jesus' name, everybody said a big amen, amen. Come on, let's celebrate those who made that decision. Thanks for joining us for today's message. Feel free to rate, review, and share with a friend. If you'd like to find out how you can get involved or partner with us financially, visit lifepoint.org or download the Lifepoint app. Thank you for your generosity. We can do so much more together than we ever could apart. See you soon.